0: This is Action and Ambition, the show that takes you all over the world to share interviews with the most successful and relevant people on the planet, hear their backstory, get the most important lessons they've learned on their road to success, and hear exclusive tips on how to implement their success in your own life. Action and Ambition is brought to you by Entrepreneur Magazine and your host, Andrew Metal.
1: All right. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Action and Ambition podcast. This is your host, Dominique Linton, and we have another phenomenal guest with us today, Jay Garou. Uh, Jay Garou is a co-founder and chief executive officer of Damon Motors, a serial entrepreneur. Jay has focused his efforts on redefining mobility with Damon, creating a safer, smarter, and seamlessly connected motorcycle experience. Jay is the author of multiple patents and has spoken extensively about uh, automotive, mobility, and clean tech at conferences globally. In addition to his entrepreneurial uh, efforts, Jay is an extreme sports enthusiast. He traveled the world as British Columbia's top-ranked professional snowboarder in all four freestyle disciplines in 1998. Wow. Jay has been riding motorcycles for over 20 years and has ridden hundreds of different motorcycles on track and on the road. His favorite place to ride is Northern California and aims to tour Montana and Wyoming in the future. Jay has a passion for sport and supersport bikes, as well as an appreciation for touring bikes. Jay has ensured the experiences of all three are in the hypersport design. And it's been a wild ride to the top of the electric motorcycle industry for Damon Motors, co-founder and CEO, Jay Garo. Garot. Uh, the inspiration for the world's smartest, safest, uh, most profesh- powerful, fully connected electric motorcycle came during a trip to J- Jakarta, Indonesia, where there is a vast dependence on two-wheeled vehicles compared to North America. Jay had a vision that he could rival existing gas-driven motorcycle options that ultimately offer no safety features. In 2017, Damon Motors was born as Jay teamed up with co-founder Dom Kwong to transform two-wheel transportation and specifically aim to prevent accidents on the road. And with all that said, I now give you Jay Garreau.
2: Hello, thank you. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah, no problem quite the quite the intro man there's a lot to unpack there (laughs) well thank you well yeah before we get to where you are now um could you give us a little backstory and you know a background about uh where you were before all this
2: uh well uh i've been a lot of places i mean i think i've I've had over 90 jobs in my life and i'm like not joking. um it's like one every four months since I was like 11 years old, uh, but you know it, it was it was 14 years. Well, no, it was about 18, 19 years ago that I said I would help get the world off oil, and then I wanted to spend the rest of my life doing that. Yeah, and I said that when I was at the tail end of a snowboarding career, and snowboarding doesn't map to getting the world off oil very well. Uh, not from a discipline or skill set point of view anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I spent five years trying to figure out what the heck that meant and how I could do something about it. And just, You know, I, I, I studied, I guess is the right word. Um not, not formally, but I st- taught myself everything I could learn about uh, all forms of renewable energy and, and, uh, you know, from electric drive technology to hydrogen to E85 ethanol, you know, solar wind, uh, all the all the alternatives yeah and and what was the right mix that would make the most sense and i concluded that solar for the roof and electric drive for the uh car was the future it was absolutely the future it's still not quite the future for a bunch of reasons but it has the merits that it could be and i thought that's what i wanted to get behind for the rest of my life
1: wow that's amazing and you know what were some of the initial thoughts and how to get it started exactly
2: well like yeah um Painfully. <laughs> uh, like I, um, I was selling cars. I was selling motorbikes in 067. And I was very, very good at that. I really enjoyed selling motorbikes. And I started selling cars because people kept telling me to make more money. And I was miserable, totally miserable. So what got it started was being super miserable having an idea for a better future for myself and the world that I wasn't taking action on and developing pretty severe migraines that I had to, that I concluded rightfully, correctly, that the migraines were due to not doing what I set out to do, what I told myself I would do. So I had to quit selling cars just before Christmas with no money, uh, an ex-girlfriend that was pregnant and no way to buy Christmas presents for for anybody and no way to pay rent on January 1st. But if I didn't quit selling cars, I would continue to be miserable and have severe migraines. Yeah. Um, and so I, I thank my migraines, I guess, for jumping for <laughs> in with both feet and trying to figure out how to start a, start a you know, electric vehicle company. We ended up making electric drive uh, SUVs and pickup trucks on Ford chassis for the U.S. Army with Honeywell Aerospace and SAIC oh, wow. and the Pentagon and a number of other customers and partners that uh, helped get it to market over about five years.
1: Wow, that is amazing. And you know, what is actually one of the main tips or advice that you'd give to people who are working jobs that they aren't happy in and you know want to do it because the stability, how much do you, you know Oh, if you like stability, you'll probably never be an entrepreneur. Yeah.
2: Um uh First of all, the first piece of advice I give everybody is like entrepreneurship really isn't for everyone. It's not for most people. And it doesn't have to be. It, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be idolized so much. It's a hard, tough path that's not a lot of fun most of the time. Mm-hmm. You gotta be really, you gotta really care about something or be ultra frustrated with something in the world to stick it out day after day and year after year and and be willing to sell everything you own and throw your your comfort under the bus and leave it there for years on end to make it worthwhile. Um, uh, that's the first piece of advice I can give anybody.
1: I mean, that's like probably the most realistic advice I've heard. Um, you know, cause like you said, it isn't for everyone. Um, it's going to take a lot of, you know, uh, grit and just being able to be agile at the same time, you know, deflecting all the different obstacles that come your way. And, totally. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me, but, um, I guess yeah. you know, what, are, <laughs> <laughs> what are actually some of the, uh, some of the lessons that, that have helped you, you know, succeed and be where you are now?
2: Well, I mean, I don't know if everybody needs like a world changing mission to be on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I happen to have one and I'm, I'm thankful that I do. It's definitely what's gotten me through, you know, seven startups and multiple hard times. Um, but, uh. I think if, you know, if you don't have something you care deeply about, like, I think fundamentally entrepreneurship is about seeing a future that isn't, a mm. future that isn't here yet, that isn't yeah. here today, and wanting that and, and needing that future to be here. And so having a fundamental need to alter what would otherwise be a future without your idea or without your problem solved, you know, or without your frustration put to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, for me, a frustration for oil as the impetus for for war, uh, which we were seeing a lot of in two thousand three, two thousand four, when the Iraq war started, and we're seeing it again, right? You know, yeah. Um, um, if 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 you don't have a, a pretty strong frustration, then or an idea that you think is just going to kill it, um, you know, you need something that's going to get you out of bed every day.
1: Yeah, definitely.
2: And, and for some people, it's like having a good family. For some people, it's climbing the corporate ladder. For some people, it's it's winning. You know, some people just like to win, just need to win. Yeah. You know, whatever they, some people are good at winning all the time. I, I'm i extremely good at selling things I, I like. I yeah. suck at selling things I don't like. And I hate cars. So I couldn't <laughs> sell cars to save my life. Um, and so, was, you know, I'm not just a good salesperson. Some people are good at selling anything. Yeah. And, you know, they just do that then. Yeah. They like to. Win.
1: Definitely. Wow so with damon motors um what are some of the you know key elements that really separates you from other from other businesses and companies out there what makes you guys special
2: yeah Damon's super unique so maybe i'll do a little backstory um to give a a good analogy you know there was there was steamships right no Mm -hmm. paddle ships which i guess were steam powered and and then you know then the then the the steam came along, the steam engine, and then diesel came along. Uh, and each time, there's been a, there's been a, uh, I, guess, I guess it's an energy source change. There's been a leaving behind of all of the incumbents and a surge of the of the of the new entrants. The same is true for propeller planes. All the propeller aircraft companies didn't believe that jet fuel aviation was the future because jet aviation is way less fuel efficient. Uh, you get there faster. But it's much more expensive, and mm-hmm. in not not only for the fuel, but to manufacture and the maintenance and whatnot. Uh, and so all the all the airplane companies went out of business as jet fuel aviation took off. And the same is true for you know uh, film cameras and digital cameras and and mm-hmm. video rentals and and Netflix and flip phones and smartphones. Yeah. Um, and so these are these are major step changes in an industry where the incumbents were unable to pivot to, to you know embrace the future, um, and the startups replace the incumbents. And we're just beginning to see in the auto industry uh, an, an absolute survival-based necessity for the incumbents to pivot, you know, and I'd say Volkswagen and Ford and Hyundai are doing well, but they're doing well with single digit percentages of electric cars compared to Tesla, who has 75% of the market.
1: Oh. Wow. Like,
2: absolutely annihilated the market yeah. with electric cars.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and there were everyone except maybe Elon Musk thought that he would not be successful. And, uh, and they're all wrong. They're, the entire world was wrong against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with Damon, we're not, a, we're not a gas motorcycle converted to electric. All the other electric motorbike companies are fundamentally taking the exact same engineering approach. And they just stuffed an electric motor and an off-the-shelf battery between the frame of an, of an existing gas motorcycle bike and that's exactly what we didn't do so we instead thought if you're going to make an electric motorcycle to do all the things an electric motorcycle needs to do to be the future of motorcycling and that's our mission is to be the future of motorcycling then how do we engineer this and we therefore eliminated the frame for starters so the battery pack is the frame of the motorbike And we've done a whole bunch of novel battery management techniques and and liquid cooling techniques so that you could output power, you know, the likes of which only a 200 horsepower gas superbike can do You get to 200 miles an hour. And all of these things allowed us to think outside the box and redefine all of the components that have made the motorcycle as fast or faster, uh, significantly farther range uh, and and as light as the gas superbikes of the world today. And that's never been done before without increasing the weight of the bike. Uh, We then developed the world's only collision warning system because we believe motorbikes need to be safer and we solved the discomfort problem of riding a, a motorcycle, the bike transforms at the push of a button. So you can be in an upright riding position or down low, and you can change the position of the handlebars and foot pegs with the press of a button while you ride. So it's like having two bikes in one. I mean, like I've met hundreds of people who don't even ride motorbikes and that makes them want to ride a David bike.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it's really a
2: completely rethought motorcycle end to end. And and because we rethought it all, we were able to challenge every assumption about what a motorcycle is and what it should do.
1: Yeah. My gosh, that definitely sets you apart. And But
2: even on the outside, it just looks like a sport bike like all the rest. You know, you can pick up a Damon, you can go down to your local coffee shop, hang out with your 10 buddies who all have gas bikes and not look like a weirdo with a funky, weird, futuristic thing. You know, it just looks like a tour bike.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. So it's like you not only took something that was different, but you still made it familiar. And familiar is exactly the right word. Like people could see themselves in it, which means they can imagine even the,
2: you know, those who love the combustion engine, they love the vibration, they love the smell. You know, even those people are like, oh, okay, I can see myself riding that.
1: Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm.
2: allows us to, you know, break the glass ceiling uh, in the motorcycle industry and, and put out a product that could actually displace gas motorcycles around the world in really high volume. And wow. so it's, it's formulaic, right? It's all of these things that allow for the, the formula that will, that will, you know, supplant the motorcycle industry uh, with its dependence on fossil fuels and lack of safety.
1: Yeah. And, you know, with thinking so far outside the box and with something so innovative, how long do you estimate like that, that took for you guys to think of and to really put into action?
2: Well, I spent, uh, it's a really good question. I spent a year um, researching
1: mm-hmm.
2: and, uh, and interviewing and, you know, finding the right co-founder that can really help me pull it off. Cause I'm not the technical guy. I see you, you probably figured out by now, <laughs> um, uh, and then we spent three years developing the collision warning technology, which is very different than you're going to find in a car. Same sensors, but a completely different approach because uh, a car doesn't lean and a car doesn't pitch when it breaks hard. And a car doesn't float within a lane because a car is the width of a lane. But motorcycles do all those things. They lean, they pitch, and they float. And so the invisible warning zones around the motorbike have to be managed entirely differently in the algorithms than you would do in a car. So we had to figure all that out, you know, design and write all the algorithms, test the hell out of them, put it through thousands of miles of testing, um, you know, put it on a dozen different motorbikes and so on and so on. Um, And so we spent three years then doing the collision warning technology. We spent the last year and a half developing the whole bike now, the powertrain, the battery technology, the the electronics and so on. Wow. So we're 50, 50 million in, 100 people, 106, I think. Uh, order book, uh, nearing 3000 orders, building a factory, 110,000 square foot factory, um, and getting ready to go to production.
1: Wow. That is amazing. And with all this, you know, kind of just continuously rolling and, uh, the success just coming in, how does that actually feel, you know, from your end, from where you were in the past?
2: How does it feel? Uh, stressful. (laughs) (laughs) you know uh it's really it's really hard like i think one of the best pieces of advice i probably read on instagram or something is to celebrate your small wins and it's really hard to see small wins you know for what they are when you have big problems you have problems way bigger than your small wins and there's lots of frequent small wins and like to develop a culture where people are motivated you can't drag them through the mud for like a year and a half straight. They've got to have like, the average person needs a win every month. They need to feel good coming to work. They can't, you know, but like as a, as the, you know, the head of the company, we see way more problems than you see small wins. And so it's a really dichotomous mental space to, you know, get up there and rah, rah and cheer everybody and high five people for these little wins when in the back of your mind, you know, you got problems way bigger than any of them know. Mm-hmm. Um, that are like every one of them is daunting I mean none of them are none of them are there's no one thing that can ever kill a company that's something I've learned from many years of startups it needs a pile you need a pile of mistakes you know people say oh our company died because of X uh, really there's a bunch of things that led to X mm-hmm. you know a series of bad decisions or whatever that lead to X and it's almost always internal it's never market forces that kill a company yeah um, but uh, but yeah like when you got big, big challenges it's hard to like remind yourself that there's lots of good things happening every day.
1: Yeah. And that's the part, you got a lot of good things
2: happening all the time.
1: Yeah. I feel like that's the part that everyone forgets about, especially when you're one of the owners or, you know, the the, one of the people who's at the top seeing everything Um, definitely the small wins are good to have, but then seeing, you know, all the other different obstacles that are coming, it does make it harder to stay focused. And yeah, with that, you know with that being said what is the mind state or mindset that you really have to have to pull through all that and <laughs> well, a, another great question
2: i think I, I i coined it for myself recently maybe i read it somewhere um that <laughs> it's like oh there's always problems there's always <laughs> problems and the name of the game is solve problems as fast as you can because there's more coming and so then i guess at some point i realized you know, if the problems are constantly cycling, that's fantastic. That's perfect. It's exactly what you want. You want problems going in and problems going out. Yeah. Uh, because that means you're moving forward. But if the problems stick around for a long time, you can't get rid of the problems. You can't solve the problems. Uh, that's when you're really stuck. There's always going to be problems. No question about it. Like, just clear your plate, get ready for the next load. Um, that's the name of the game.
1: Yeah, that makes just sense. Just to, like, turn through problems. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because the problems that aren't going away. Yeah. Those are the ones that you probably have to worry about. Really bad ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So then, you know, with, um, how innovative this company is, what is your way of attracting cu- customers or clients or, you know, any growth hacks that you can share? Yeah. That's also super, you're right. Also super innovative.
2: We, uh, we get it all off Instagram and Facebook. We don't have a sales team and we'll never have a sales team. Um, I think we've made something that frankly sells itself. And, you know, that's, that's the biggest win right there by far. Uh, Because I've had companies where the product just, just never really had product market fit. And without product market fit, you have to stuff it down people's throats. And like, that's not a product the world should want. It doesn't want. That's why it's not selling, you know, and you see on the all around the world, you see incentive schemes and, and, you know, dollar bills stuffed in and subsidies and, you know, oil has been subsidized for the duration of the world being on oil, like what the hell that, did, that means people didn't actually want oil it got subsidized to make it attractive. That doesn't make any sense, um, you know, so whether if something has to be artificially incentivized to be sold, it doesn't have product market fit. If people are pulling for it, that's a product everyone wants. Like. Did everybody really need Amazon Echo or did it get like just really successfully marketed and and sold? Like I've had one of those. It didn't really solve any problems for me. It was, (laughs) you know, we buy nifty things sometimes. So Instagram and Facebook sell all of our orders and, uh, and, and we just put it up there for people to find it.
1: That's, yeah, that's amazing. Social media really does sell itself. And, you know, the more followers you get, it's really free marketing at that point because people will yeah. tend to market it themselves and, yeah. you know, demonstrate what it can do, what it is. And you don't really yeah. have to do anything, but just provide yeah, and
2: engagement is the measure, you know, on social media, engagement is the measure by which people are interested.
1: Mm-hmm. And then
2: if they, if they engage, they are net promoting it for you. Yeah. It means they want people to know about something they like and, and off it goes, right. It has, it has virality. And discovery and and then, the you know, people moving through the funnel, going to the website, surfing the web page for a couple of minutes, coming back a third or fourth time, and then click, placing that order, it all happens organically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's exactly where you want to be. You know, like crafting something to do that is super hard. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, you know, with the, the culture of the company, um, how important or what are some of the initiatives that you guys keep the team motivated and keep everyone on the same you know wavelength to get the job done. Mm.
0: Um
2: hmm. I don't know. <laughs> uh
1: you know sometimes, what's that? It was like HR's job.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Uh no we you know we have like beer clock every couple of weeks. We got a ping pong table upstairs. You know, we mm-hmm. get staff together for events. Um yeah, we yeah. definitely do celebrate the small wins and I, I put it on my team to make sure that they're really doing that in a, in a day-to-day fashion with their staff. Um, uh, we, everybody that starts at Damon gets a book called no rules rules by the founder of Netflix. One of the oh, best business okay. books I've read. Um, and it's a, it's a, about building a culture without rules. Um, and to be more, more specific, it's about a culture of freedom and responsibility where you make your own choices and, uh, and people have a lot of autonomy to make mistakes and they have a lot of autonomy, um, and, and I should say freedom, they have a lot of freedom to, um, to do things as, in the way that they think is best, as long as it's in the best interests of the company. Um, and that also comes with a lot of responsibility, but that responsibility gives people a sense of worth and contribution. And, you know, they feel like they, it's, you know, you can give people options in the company, but that doesn't create ownership. Option, ownership is created by letting people make decisions for themselves. In, thing, in ways that they think is best for the company, and the output of that is creativity and, and problems being solved way more easily. Um, problems not having to bubble all the way to the top to get solved because people yeah. have that, you know, responsibility to do so for themselves, and they're empowered by it. And uh, and and you know, one of the biggest things about that is to is to be free from policy, um, which nobody can ever remember anyway. If you're handing out a handbook, a policy handbook, you already failed. <laughs> you that's know so yeah um and and all of that comes with risk but it it the translation the the risk is worth the reward at the end of the day
1: yeah that's very interesting and i love that because it's promoting not only freedom but also accountability and just making totally. sure that everyone's doing their job but do it the way you feel would be best and if it's working out then then, then don't mess know. with it yeah don't mess <laughs> with it don't break yeah. it if it's not don't fix it if it's not broken. There you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, cool. Sweet. So, um, what are actually some of the bigger, I guess, projects or um, you know programs that are going to be launching in the next, um, you could say, remainder of the year or so?
2: Well, the big one is to is to cross the the almighty finish line, which is a tongue in cheek because really it's the starting line of yeah. production in the next six or so months is, is crossing that line to finally start production. And that's huge. Obviously it's it is a pivotal, pivotal moment for the company um, to get the first bikes out the door. We have very anxious people, very, very anxious. Uh, people who have been waiting a couple of years. You know, we're sold out all the way until mid-2024 right now. Wow. Uh, and uh you know Tesla and a number of other companies with order books have proven that typically more than four out of five orders get converted from an order to a delivery Mm. uh so that's big you know that's that's a lot of revenue for us in our first year of revenue next year um and and it's just all hands on deck to do that and so there's a number of initiatives you know getting production ready and getting our ISO 9001 certification for the factory and you know putting in our quality systems and hiring up manufacturing staff and you know getting all the software running for you know all of the automation in the factory and ton of stuff it's just uh Daunting. And yeah. and it would be possible without a team of people here who've who've done it like half a dozen times each.
1: Yeah, that's a lot. Wow. A lot on your plate, but it's gonna yeah. get done. It's gonna get done, gonna for get sure. done. <laughs> yeah. and are you actually allowed or able to give us the you know essential or estimated um launch date? Well, we're gonna do a
2: uh, we're gonna do a relaunch of the bike because it's gone through quite a number of, of design changes. We're gonna do a relaunch of the bike. the end of the year and we haven't figured out like how or when or what kind of event we're going to do but that'll be uh that'll be the big the big thing
1: sweet and are these bikes going to be like customizable or is it going to be you know pretty distinct colors that they could choose from or things like that
2: yeah one of the really special things about eliminating the dealership middleman there's a number of benefits there but one of them is um, is that you can have a a pull style manufacturing system instead of a push style. Push means you gotta like ship 50 bikes to this dealer and 100 bikes to that dealer, and then they sit on them on the floor for some period of time and they try to sell them, right? They sell in and then they sell through. Mm. And you know, if you place an order for a Damon bike, I'm gonna ship it to your front door, uh, and or you can pick it up at a Damon store next year if there's a store nearby you. But otherwise, I'll ship it to your front door, and that means like we don't build your bike until you order it. And that allows us to have an assembly line process that can actually be quite bespoke. Uh, so in the future on the website, you'll see the ability to, you know, select wheels and select different paint schemes and mix and match bodywork work oh, and, wow. uh, and, and effectively create something that's almost one of a kind. And on the website, right. Cause yeah. like, if you know anybody that rides motorbikes, you know that everybody customizes their bike. Everybody yeah. wants their bike unique to them Mm -hmm. Um, it's super personal um, but you know with an electric motorcycle where there's no exhaust and you can't like change out you know the heads of the engine or change out the air filter cover you know we don't have any of those kinds of components so how do you create customizability Uh, if we were selling to dealerships like all of our competitors are we wouldn't be able to do that and and there's a real loss there to the to the to the uh the tribalism of motorcycling you know yeah um so frankly having a, a a direct to sales direct to customer sales model gives us a ton of advantages not the least of which is profit margins
1: wow you know like you said earlier people who don't usually ride bikes this they you will want to ride a bike after hearing about this and now I, i'm one of those people <laughs>
2: <laughs> well and it's safer like the crazy thing is yeah. the three thousand some odd orders we have um kid you not 24% of them one in one in four uh doesn't ride or doesn't even have a motorcycle license like who the heck's ordering a $28,000 200 horsepower super bike and they don't ride like that's crazy um of course we've got softwares we can govern it you can make the bike ride like a beginner's bike and then we can graduate you up with you know gamifying experience and all that stuff but um but one in four and so you know that speaks to this to the to the to solving the safety problem. And I would argue for every motorcyclist in North America, there's 10 that want to. And I I know that 27 years of some things you just know, hanging out with people who ride and don't ride, Uh, but they don't ride because of the safety problem in one way or another. You know, I wanted a bike, but my wife wouldn't let me. Uh, I was thinking about getting a bike and then we had a baby. I just changed jobs and, you know, it's too far of a commute and it's not safe on the roads. You know, it's always, it always roots back to safety. Yeah. So solve the safety problem, open up a new market that none of your competitors can touch.
1: Oh, that's amazing. My gosh. And that was like one of the perfect, not last thing, but one of the last things you could say, because I have two last questions before we have to go. Um, The first one is, do you have any other tips or advice that you'd want to either reiterate or anything that you haven't got to say yet to those who are trying to build their own companies or going trying to go down a similar path?
2: Don't mortgage your house <laughs> uh, <laughs> Draw the line there just draw the <laughs> line there um, and and this may be this may not this may be counterintuitive but but spend other people's money. Uh, at some point you should put a, some of your own money in if you haven't already put some in as your first money uh, but like if you have a quarter million from whatever to spend on your idea, don't spend that money. Spend a little bit of it, maybe, but don't spend all that money because you really need to get you know, sober by getting investors to buy into your idea to make sure it's a good idea. If if you're going to just create an echo chamber by blowing your own, your own money on an idea that you think is great, no matter how good you think your idea is, I swear to you, it'll pivot so many times before you get it to market. And it pivots because it, it, it gets molded by the world and you've got to put it out to people in the world. And they, you know, when they write a check to invest in your company, that's when, you know, as opposed to thinking, you know, that you're onto to something.
1: Wow. Thank you for that. That is very helpful. Um, because I feel like most people don't really think of that um, to really. Yeah, it really, say... you need validation from the
2: outside world and it comes when people write a check.
1: Yeah. Wow okay sweet and you know for our last question we'd like to close by having you explain where people can find you and your company online and all your social media handles sure yeah so we're on
2: instagram at, and facebook at damon motorcycles damon is spelled D A M uh i'm at J-A-Y-G-I-R-A-U-D, uh on twitter and instagram and i don't use facebook because it's become a dump uh and uh that's it yeah Look forward Ooh. to hearing from you guys and talking again.
1: Yes. Thank you again for joining us, everyone. That was Jay Giroux and Damon Motors. Uh, it was a pleasure meeting you and speaking with you and hearing all about the innovative you know, future of these, these motorbikes that are coming out. Um, thank you again. Yes. And for those listening, yeah. thank you for tuning in. Um, until next time, this is Dominique signing out.
0: Thanks for listening to Action and Ambition with your host, Andrew Metal. Please leave a review and subscribe and go to andrewmetal.com for all the exclusive lessons, behind-the-scenes footage, and video content of the show. Follow us on Facebook and YouTube at Action and Ambition, and we'll see you on the next episode.